I think what's interesting about legal is that they are, you know, several steps behind the rest of the the organization yeah. when yeah. it becomes to when it comes to automation. So um, they've been this, you know, less, you know, just less than supported just generally. There's they never really thought of it as a strategic play for them to automate that department. think for us is there's no doubt kind of a, a perfect storm of opportunity, if you will. Um, legal departments have a tremendous need for automation as they're being asked to do more with less. I mean, let's face it, the economic uncertainty today, um, you know, is probably going to last for a while. Um, as a result of that, the C-suite are issuing mandates and most of those are around you know, process improvement, um, efficiency gain, productivity gain, cost reduction. Um, and, you know, for us, uh, you know, we have a solution that addresses just that. Welcome to our latest podcast, Demystifying Enterprise Innovation. And today we have the topic Corporate Legal Ops, Automation Vision for the Enterprise. And today I have two very special guests with me. I'm very excited to welcome our guests for today's podcast, Jim Tate and Andy Baroki from Legal Automation Group. Uh, Andy is the co-founder and managing partner at Legal Automation Group. Uh, Jim Tate is a co-founder and CEO of MyLegal. And MyLegal is a, is a startup in the legal automation space. So uh, let's start by asking our guests about their startup and where did they come from and what's the what's the story behind my legal. So uh, Andy, maybe you could begin and tell me about my legal and how it came came to be. Absolutely. Well, thank you for having us, Shargeel. Um Yeah, our story starts about four four and a half years ago. Jim and I actually were hired. Uh, by a European company to build an enterprise uh, sales team for 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 their company, and uh, they wanted us to uh, go out and sell an ELM software solution or an enterprise legal management software solution, as we we call it, um, to law firms and corporate legal departments. Uh, it wasn't um, soon thereafter uh, where the the company decided to exit the U.S. market, and Jim and I were kind of left hanging. Um, at that point, we we decided that uh, you know maybe we can you know leverage the existing opportunity funnel that we built, start our own company, and uh, you know resell that resell this software that we've been uh, going after and pushing out to the marketplace for about a year. So we we did do that, and uh, unfortunately, about that time, which was kind of in the early 2019 or so, um, the pandemic hit. And that really served as an opportunity for us to pivot and to reinvent ourselves. So, you know, at this point in time, we had, you know, three or four customers and we had hundreds of conversations with legal ops leaders throughout the industry. And uh, the one thing that kept coming up during those conversations is that, you know, they, they, they had the same problems. Um, they were expressing a need for things like process automation or, uh, you know, improved collaboration or a more, more integrated um, 
technology stack. And so that really became the jumping off point for the idea that became my legal. You know, interestingly, uh, during these conversations, there was a common set of problems um, that they were consistently sharing with us. Things like their legal staff was being overwhelmed increasingly um, by manual tasks. You know, they were still using email and spreadsheets to do most of their work. In the instances where they were deploying technology uh, to automate certain activities, like an ELM solution, those activities uh, were part of a larger global workflow stream. Um, this caused really kind of a proliferation of manual work activities surrounding those technology implementations. So, you know, end-to-end workflow just wasn't possible. And so that was a that was a pain point for them. And then, of course, they, they, they consistently complained about uh, a lack of timely support from IT. And then finally, I think uh, one of the one of the other big challenges that they faced with is that data just wasn't available to develop actionable KPIs with which to manage the business. And so with each conversation that we have with these legal ops leaders, clarity was brought forth and that we realized the solution was needed, which could address kind of all these problem areas that I talked about. Um, I think it was at that point in time, our resident expert in automation, Jim, you know, stepped in and brought forth his longstanding relationship with Agile Point uh, to fully develop the idea that is now um, my legal. And I think Jim could probably elaborate a little bit more on the relationship that he had with Agile Point and how this evolved into the my legal product. Yeah. So. Yeah, that that's a good overview, uh, Andy. So, Jim, can you can you please share the background about my legal, like like the my legal and Agile Point partnership? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Andy mentioned um, I've been uh, I have a longstanding uh, relationship with Agile Point. Uh, I actually worked for Agile Point for a period of time. I've been in uh, partnership uh, in in a number of capacities over the years, I and mean, we're date, this dates back to two thousand six. So, um, you know, it's a long storied, um, long storied relationship. And so, um, you know, during that time, I've, I actually had the opportunity to research all of the other uh, competing solutions there. And in some cases, in these uh, partner scenarios, we actually offered more than one automation platform, uh, Appian being one, IBM being another one, um, Nintex and K2 being a couple of others that I'm deeply familiar with, and um, so it, you know, the, there was a couple of things that emerged clearly when we, Annie and I, figured out that my legal needed to be developed. Um, we the go-to was to to Agile Point, and um, knowing its capabilities and um, the, the, you know, the film the familiarity, but mostly just the depth of the the product that they have. Um, maybe under marketed in some ways, but the, the, what they've done extremely well over the years is build all the necessary features to be extremely flexible and competitive with the, you know, the most, you know, cost-effective products that are out in the market. So we, we've chose that direction. And then the other thing with, about AlgaPoint is, you know, their willingness to participate in this uh, endeavor for the legal community. Um, the, the, it has to be structured in a way that, um, the the legal industry in legal operations groups within um, you know a corporation uh, they, they can make it affordable and they can make it flexible and and the 
um, you know, sort of this growth path that they need to go through versus we need an enterprise wide, you know, platform that we need to uh, uh, apply here. So that that being able to structure the arrangement in, in the way that we go to market uh, in a collaborative fashion, it was was important to us. And we knew we could get that when we went there. Yeah, that, that's a that's a good overview. Uh, before, like, I, I kind of jump off to another, like the, the strategic aspects or the strategic changing changes taking place in the in the corporate legal departments. Uh, Jim, can you can you, you know, as a layman, can you tell me, don't people prefer out of the box solutions these days? Like since the since the rapid adoption of cloud, like they want something out of the box and but but the route that that other sort of BPM solutions and as well with my legal, isn't it a customizable? Like, don't they have to customize the solution according to their needs? So why don't they look for a out of out of the box solution? Yeah. So maybe par- or going back to what Andy mentioned before is that there is this there is this niche in the market, this corporate legal department market, and, and law firms fall into the category to an extent too, and we we do serve that market. But primarily, the focus is on corporate legal. What Andy mentioned before is kind of the the tipping point. The idea here is that they've been traditionally underserved by IT. They have been, um, you know, trying to get large solutions that do certain aspects of the, you know, departmental function deployed. And it's been, you know, cumbersome, long and, and lengthy and costly uh, to put in an enterprise legal management system. That's what they basically manage their matters in and the spend management aspect of this. Or maybe they've done a contract lifecycle ma- management project or something in the IP realm. Well, they've, they've stood up a bunch of silos when, in fact, they could actually get some resources from IT allocated to them. But these things have been you know, long and coming in large projects, and they really hadn't gotten to the core of, of – um, trying to really help themselves from an operational perspective. And then the second thing, how do we tie all of those different products together? So, um, you know, if we can okay. stitch them together in a way that, that's more end-to-end, to Andy's point, um, and that, that there, um, there's data coming from one or we're connecting through an integration to another and it, it's helping support the process, um, what you're able to do is tie everything together and get a much better unified, uh, you know, tech stack. To your to your point, though, um, they they really can't do that without a a, a very flexible uh, platform and with a lot of different integration capabilities. Again, one of the reasons why Outerpoint fits the bill is right there is because um, extremely open architecture with this you know service layer architecture and in, in integrations that they have seventy some odd integrations and things like that. So um, the idea really is to um, to try to um, to try to uh, tie all that together in a way that people get a more unified product. I get your point. I get your point. Uh, uh, I, I see the value there. So, uh, so can we can we take step a step back and uh, maybe Andy, if you could, if you could, you know, tell me what's the what's the strategic shift that's taking place in the corporate legal departments? Yeah, there's definitely a shift going on. I think you know in the past. Like Jim said, corporate legal departments have really been beholden to IT. You know, it, it, they're they're really kind of the last part of the enterprise to be serviced by the group by IT. Okay. And um, you know, it's, it's it's kind of a well-known fact within within legal 
that if you're trying to get a process automated through IT, it takes 12 to 18, at least 12 to 18 months to make that happen. And then to compound the problem is once you're actually delivered uh, an application to solve your issue, um, if any sort of problems arise, you just get right back into the, pr the priority queue of IT. So, you know, it's pretty, pretty easy to see that when these companies uh, embark on automation projects, ROI and time to value measures are extremely poor. But that's overcome. We're able to overcome that by utilizing the, uh, the Agile Point platform. You know, there's a shift going on uh, as corporate legal departments are looking to take ownership and control uh, of their business outcomes. You know, Agile Point citizen development capabilities really allow our, uh, our clients to compose and build much needed workflows um, that they need and they don't have to rely on IT to make that happen. Um, and the speed at which they can accomplish this really allows them um, to quickly uh, scale their automation efforts, which ultimately which ultimately improves their efficiency and their their productivity. And so it's unquestionable that the Agile Point layer really enables kind of a set of capabilities that play a direct role in, in my legal's best in class ROI and time to value measures. And that's what's important for uh, corporate legal departments, especially as they try to get funding on these projects, which they're you know, trying to leverage to ultimately improve their legal operations. Yeah, that, that's, that's great. So, so how do you, so if I don't know my legal, uh, and I'm from, a, from, I'm, I'm from the CLO, corporate legal uh, office, so what's my legal's approach to solving my problem? You know, I think what's interesting is people, you know, automation means something different to every person you talk to. And so uh, when we first go in and approach these people within legal operations, they, they might have a certain understanding. And, you know, often automation isn't tangible enough. So what we like to do is break it down. We, we kind of focus on critical use cases that they're looking to automate. And then by doing that, we can kind of walk them through just how quickly they are able to do um, and to implement an application that might solve that particular issue. And when they see that, it really engages them. It kind of starts to immerse um, their organization in this, uh, you know, in the in the idea of automation, and once involved as part of that process, you, you know, you start to build champions throughout the organization. I think that kind of approach is really what gets buy-in and starts to create this momentum within the legal department to really scale their automation efforts. And so that we think we've been effective doing it that yeah. way. So, Jim, so, you got any, any comments yeah. you might want to add there? Yes, yeah, I mean, you know, I think that you summed it up pretty well. I think there, there's, there is this, um, it, 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 there is a transformation going on here and in in that um, they want to be more autonomous. They, they want to be able to, um, they want to drive more innovation and they want to be able to show up at the in the boardroom with some meaningful um you know analytics data and, and what's kind of to to state what their value is it's about really the corporate legal department becoming um you know becoming a, a, a valued resource as a not instead of a cost center kind of that that's the those are the kind of uh ways we would summarize it
That's that's good. Autonomy is a pretty pretty pervasive theme I see across you know sort of functions and industries. Uh, so one one sort of catch line of my legal that really caught my attention, uh, and that's to both of you, was legal front door. You know that kind of really summarized summarized it for me. Okay, uh, there's a front door. Uh, my legal serves as a front door, and it the front door may enter. Uh, you can enter through that front door and you'll have a host of, you know, sort of services and menu items to pick from. So am I, am I understanding it correctly? Yeah. So you're, you're, that's the idea that, that um, a common problem going back to what Annie was saying before is that they have all these disparate systems that, um, th that they, they've been standing over up over the, the, you know, the last several years, but, um, how do you seamlessly get to those and how do you have those interact with one another to my point before, but more so um, if you can provide a whole lot of self-service kind of capabilities in a centralized point, that's the idea behind, um, behind my legal. Um, it's supported by agile point, but the concept is not really an agile point concept. Um, it's more of a, how it's more of a portal kind of approach where, you know, I've got a central place to go. And then from there, I can branch off to into any kind of thing that I might want to do. If it's uh, intellectual property related, or if it's immigration related, or if it's, uh, you know, some, some other aspect litigation related, I can, I could branch from there and from this legal, as soon as I enter the door, so to speak. But, but Jim, uh, self-service sort of, uh, could you could you explain like how much of a self service it is? Uh, do you leave do you leave the corporate legal officers on their own? Sort of you know go figure it out. It's all self service, or it's like a you meet them halfway. You know you yeah, help them no, out. I don't mean it from the development side or even the kind of the introduction of this. This is a this is a, a standard place where if you can give a single URL and within that URL they have the ability to make requests of the legal department. They can see any kind of activities that they need to perform in order to be able to move the work process along from one stage to another. And then a historical view of everything that they've uh, created within uh, within the My Legal environment. So what we call instances. And in these cases, um, having those three capabilities ready to hand in one, one place uh, enables them to to do things. When back to your point about self-service, in those cases, it's really can we not involve the legal department at all with the activities? Can this be an automated end-to-end -end process that AlgaPoint takes care of uh, all the way through? Right. So the idea there is 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 basically setting it up so that somebody goes to the legal front door, they select an app, and maybe it's a non-disclosure agreement. It might be pre-signed already. So all they got to do is fill in the counterparty information, put submit, push, and then it goes through e-signature to that, that, that counterparty. Uh, documents are all generated as part of the work process, all behind the scenes. Nobody's you know, seen anything. There's no review. There's no action steps. So in that case, um, it's purely self-service. We've just completed one in a uh, for a Salesforce scenario where you're working right within, in, within Salesforce.com, doing some activities, and then 
um, within those activities, it's it's actually creating documents and things like that that need to be done. Employment agreements or master services agreements might be generated as a result of the activities that you're doing right within Salesforce.com. So um, that's a little bit different from the topic of legal front door. But the point is, is that we're giving a very agile uh, way for people to interact with automation um, much in a much more um, complete and you know end to end kind of process with with as little involvement as much as possible from from the legal department. That's great. So uh, this this uh, this this makes me clear, and I want to deep dive into another topic that I've been hearing a lot, not only from you, but others as well, including people from Azure Point and uh, PMI and others. So how do you differentiate workflow uh, versus the enterprise uh, low-code, no-code? Yeah, yeah I, I was saying that I understand that low-code, no-code uh, is a thing in fashion. And uh, we we have a whole lot of, you know, endless firm covering that niche and we have a whole lot of startups coming in that niche, you know, low code and no code. And we know that what essentially they are doing, they're, they're taking part of the workflow and automating that without uh, having people to code something on that. So how do you differentiate uh, workflow versus enterprise low code? Yeah. So going back to a little bit to the history again. So I, I mentioned where our, my, what my background was in looking at all these different platforms. And then we've emerged into the legal space um, as a, you know, we're becoming a sig pretty significant player. I mean, most people are, are recognizing my legal is a, is a, a platform that should be considering. Well, Mostly, we're competing against workflow technologies. Um, you know, there's a there's about four or five, maybe six, um, you know, workflow platforms. I actually work for one of those companies that offers that um, a workflow tool. Um, but there's a very large distinction between a workflow tool and then in what what's called enterprise grade low code no code. Um, and what that means is. Um, difficult to describe for somebody in a, in a very short period of time. So um, they, they are basically faced with looking at screen captures and somebody building a very rudimentary, rudimentary uh, se sequential workflow and how pretty are the forms that they've developed and, you know, does it, does it have a nice little interface for people to add details and work their work process or whatever? Um, so that's sort of been the selection criteria until we've emerged. And we actually have kind of turned it on end um, where we're forcing our customers and potential customers to do a much more rigorous assessment of the platform architecture, um, not only from a citizen develop mm. developer standpoint, because um, if you think about citizen developer, it can be very simple things can be done by all different types of tools, right? But it's the it's how long is the runway needed before you actually or available before you need to involve an IT or developer resource. So you know you you structure something in Power Apps and it you know you can cobble something together very quickly, right? But but then all of a sudden you hit a brick wall. And then the brick wall is, oh, okay, I see, because it's a, a multi-loop parallel process with, you know, some other type of automated system engagement at this point in time. And it's like, I can't do that. You know, it's just, I, I now I need to call IT and now we're back on the phone with them. And they're saying, well, I can get to that in six or seven months from now. But, you know, so really, how does your automation initiative go forward? So, so that's what we combat constantly. Our, our approach is to understand this legal front door concept that we just talked about a minute ago and say, and then we get into the citizen developer capability, which is extremely good 
inside of Agile Point gives you a far longer runway before you need to involve IT and maybe never. But most of our applications that we're deploying, and we have about uh, about 25 that we built as part of my legal currently, and that grows every day. Um, most, hmm. I don't think there's one of them that has any kind of code built to it. Now, some maybe some JavaScript display kind of things here and there, but but hmm. we're able to do everything by drag, drop, and configure. So that's what I'm saying about this length of the runway before we need to get yeah. IT or a developer involved. So we, we're challenging customers to go deeper and say, listen, you need to think about application governance. You have to think about how that could potentially put your company at risk. If, in fact, somebody stands up some workflow tool somewhere, it may actually expose the company to some personal information that be, that, that's being sent out that shouldn't be. So now all of a sudden your talk, SOC 2 compliance um, is no longer – your certification is no longer good. Um, you have all sorts of different scenarios that come along with that. It's how do we govern the the all of the apps that are being built in a meaningful and, and structured manner? Um, it's not centralized. These are all stood up in as various little tiny silos when you do these workflow tools. So um, that's one thing. And then the, the next area we challenge them to look is we, we ask them to look at the runtime management capabilities because workflow – uh, tools, their architecture isn't built the same way that Agile Point is. Um, Agile Point has a very, very sophisticated runtime management um, cap set of capabilities for for um, doing things that people don't even think about doing when they're um, when they're uh, you know building and managing an application later. So we see this this trend where. Um, it's, you know, people will kind of dabble in automation trying to do this with this, but then we could bring, bring them back to say, Hey, listen, now you need to understand if I start an instance, I needed in some cases to roll those instances back to rework that particular process. Well, that's not possible in most of the tools that are out there, at least the ones that we compete with. Um, we don't typically mm -hmm. see the, the, the competitors that, that, that I used to when, when we were, focusing more on general automation. Legal departments are served up, as I said, by about a half dozen uh, workflow tools, typically. What's interesting about this, Archiel, is that within our space, um, you know, I, I think uh, there's been this need for automation. And so they've kind of, uh, they've kind of uh, moved toward these, at least initially, to, towards these workflow tools, thinking they could solve these problems. But in reality, when, what ends up happening is as they scale their automation initiative using these workflow tools, they run into all the problems that Jim's talking about. Hmm. There isn't this governance layer. There isn't this runtime management layer. And so ultimately, the problem they were trying to solve, right, that, that particular use case that needs to be automated, now they just kind of shift where all their level of work or their the work effort is going from actually automating something to now we have to manage it because you know they start running into user error or they start needing changes um, because of certain laws to their work processes. All of that creates these problems that you know a uh, you know a workflow tool just doesn't have that kind of back end capability that's necessary to address those issues. And so, um, you know, we're able to, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that's a very good point you brought up that 
so so hone in on this one you know uh, i like the concept that jim gave you know you give a much longer runway before they need it you know and that's a pretty simple concept to understand but what does it mean for the corporate legal departments you know to 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 so so you say runtime management uh, and you you mentioned other aspects of an enterprise lnc so what does it mean so where does runtime management for a corporate legal officer or the person heading the department like how should they see it like uh, why is it their problem well it, it um let me let it me sounds like a, it, it it sounds like a, a technical aspect of mm-hmm. of of running the app so please yeah let me let me give you a, a use case uh we have a client of yeah. ours that mentioned that um using a competitive solution a workflow tool um that's prevalent in the market probably might even have the most the most market share um available right now or that's kind of the, the they're the lead dog um they stood up seven applications using this tool it took them a while to get it to get it done it's not but you know but um there was it in um a, a, an immediate complaint as they got that far along one is that it became too complex for anybody other than maybe one person to build these kinds of things but the bigger thing that the ch- the challenge was is that they were having all sorts of challenges when it came to people making mistakes in the work process and so um there just wasn't the agility to correct the mistakes so when you say how does runtime management apply to this it's mainly the ability to uh, to address these things on an ongoing basis, right? So you have this uh, this notion of, you know, a person entered in something and they, they wanted it to go a different direction potentially, or a, a new, um, you know, a new piece of compliance is, is entered into the equation and we need to take advantage of that new regulation. And so therefore we need to roll back these, these, uh, these instances to be able to branch them in a different direction if without getting too technical here, but the, the, these tools just don't have that kind of capability. Um, and then back to the other point, you mentioned that, you know, it's this governance layer is what it likes. They, they're the ones that basically think that it's better to understand that there's a central place for all this that exists. You know, I'm getting up there now in, in age and I've been around for um, a few decades in this whole automation world um, from the Lotus Notes days, right? And, and the, what's happening out there right now is without this governance layer and these runtime management capabilities that somebody can from the back end sort of help things along as need be, we're now repeating, in many cases, Lotus, the, the, all the ills that Lotus Notes created, and literally billions of dollars have been spent trying to correct that problem that, that Lotus Notes created. Although it sounded like a great tool and it was fun, I even used to, um, I used, used to, you know, work with it. It was early on. It was one of the main tools that we did, uh, did use. But, um, but then it becomes, you know, what are we building here? And we're building all of these siloed, you know, non-integrated kind of um, solutions. And there, there's a whole bunch of rogue things and there's maybe a thousand of these applications. And then when we want to try to tie all this together or bring it into something that's manageable, um, it's, it becomes unwieldy. And, and they, they, they're spending, you know, millions and millions of dollars each company just to try to get out from underneath that still to this day, if you can imagine. Hmm. You know, without, without the capabilities that uh, Agile Point 
um, brings to bear, it, it becomes what we've heard from our customers that have gone through this. And in the case that Jim mentions, um, it becomes uh, inefficiency and a lack of productivity um, as a result of their automation efforts, where it should be the inverse of that. Yeah. There should be efficiency gain and productivity improvements because of their automation right. efforts. Yeah. And that's what we're seeing that's with these, these workload tools. It's, they, get, they get a little cool little thing built, but it, it's, not, it's not taking care of the bigger problem and, and that, that these little things can create. Yeah, that, that makes much more sense and in more simple terms. So, uh, Andy, could you, uh, I was just going through uh, a, so a, a sort of a roadmap given by a clock institute. Uh, and they say that, okay, here's a roadmap that maybe you, you want to have a look at. And that roadmap by clock institute uh, showed, you know, a host, a bundle of technologies from e-billing, meta management to contract management, you know, uh, e-discovery, case management. Like there's a whole stack of technologies that, that a corporate legal department can adopt over a period of time. And that's what they call a technology roadmap. Uh, but uh, how, how do you see that? How, especially given there's my legal now, and there's you know uh, you bring in the enterprise LNCNC lens over there. So how should corporate legal offices envision their tech roadmap? Well, it's interesting. Um, I think the document you're referring to kind of lists out all these kind of areas within. Uh, within corporate legal departments, things like you said, e-billing, contract management, IP management, knowledge management, board management. I mean, there's there's tens of these things, right, yeah. that they look at. Um, and you know, one of the one of the problems um, in, that have occurred that has occurred in the space is that their approach, the way they've been addressing their their technology needs, is to you know, kind of these. Each of these areas within within the legal department um, is asking for its own, you know, own software, if you will. Hmm. Right. So they're looking to get um, a piece of software that they think can resolve their issue. Hmm. And so what you end up having is a tech stack that it, it's comprised of a disparate pieces of software. None of them are talking to each other. All of them have different user experiences. And then if something isn't already implemented in the tech stack, they're looking to add to that complexity, right? So a number of things occur when you do that. Your drive up costs. I mean, think about all the different implementations we're talking about here. I mean, if each area within the uh, corporate legal department had its own software, you're talking about tens of implementations, um, you know, resource sync. Um, what's that impact to the to the legal department's productivity and efficiency, right? So they're kind of causing these problems. And what we like to tell them is say, look, we think you can take a better approach. And some of the things that we do as kind of our consultative sales approach is that we either come in or we bring in uh, one of our consulting partners to conduct something like a high point study, right? Mm -hmm. Where you, we actually assess their tech stack. We look at all the softwares that they're currently used within the department and we say, hmm, you know, can this piece of software be displaced by with our with an automation solution? Right. 
So as an example, Jim gave you uh, what we've talked about a lot is contract legal management software. You know, it's interesting. That's typically one of the highest priorities for legal departments. Yeah. Right. And um, but once they kind of undertake that project, they, they quickly realize, oh, my God, this is a 24 to 36 month implementation. that's you know, draining my resources, then not a lot's being accomplished while this is occurring. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's costing the company a lot of money. Well, then ultimately it's delivered. And then they quickly realize, wow, we're only really using 20% of that software's capability. Do we really need this comprehensive, expensive solution, right? Whereas you could look at something like MyLegal, which is an automation platform that has um, a, a sophisticated CLM component layered into it. They could utilize our tool to maybe displace that and to do it quickly, quite honestly, you can get this up and running within, you know, 60 to 90 days. And, you know, that's going to effectively address those CLM needs that you might have. So that can come about through this kind of assessment that we do. Hmm. And so I think those are critical things that can, you know, that every corporate legal department needs to do when considering how they want to kind of evolve their, um, their, their technology roadmap. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Because because what what I pick from that is you know instead of having dozens and dozens of implementations, why not have a have a more neat approach to to the implementation? Right. <laughs> you know, and have 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 fewer baseline technologies, and then you can build different solutions on top of that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Chargeal, the the what they're really what they're trying to accomplish is they're trying to automate. Certain sets of uh, certain sets of activities, right? So IP has these IP related activities. They want to automate them. So the natural inclination is to say, "I need to get that IP software to do that," yeah. <laughs> or the contract managers say, "I need the contract management piece of software to do that." Yeah. Whereas we're saying, "Look, you can take a holistic view, a view of automation, because all of these are activities which our platform can address." Right. Yeah. We can automate those activities. Now, unless it gets very, very specialized and specific, for the most part, we can address those issues. So we've got we're bringing forth a platform that really gets across a lot of their their needs that they have within across the department. And that that really impacts what their software roadmap is going to look like. We can wrap them and, and make it a complementary kind yeah. of thing. This is the other thing that we see a lot of times and that, um, you know, it, it may make sense to have an IP management system and a CLM and all these different things. And that that's fine. But they, they, it's very difficult to customize those. If, in fact, you have a special work process that 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 exists that you want to, um, you know, automate more. Uh, thoroughly or, or, you know, in a, in a sort of ancillary fashion, it doesn't necessarily need to happen right within the actual application tool itself. Um, it can be ex- it's sent out externally, all the work processes can happen over here and then brought back in to kind of complete the overall step that might be managed within that other application. So um, we call that a system wrapper and uh, it's a very common request for, uh, for our clients. Yep, that's great. System wrapper. That sounds cool. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
and 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 this this takes me to my next you know sort of item as so so i know you are going to the clock event as well and i understand that you you get to see a lot of sort of you know integrated and hyper integrated sort of you know concepts given by by publishers analysts and one of which was you know clock core 12 you know and clock core 12 what it tells you is 12 functional areas in legal ops mm-hmm. And when I was looking at it and it was a pretty comprehensive, you know, 12, 12 sort of, you know, core functions within the legal ops and BI, financial management, firm and vendor management and whatnot, like, you know, uh, service delivery models and practice operations. Right. And that's a pretty, pretty, you know, plate full of, you know, <laughs> capabilities. Mm-hmm. Where does my legal uh, help the most? Yeah. So first of all, that that framework is extremely valuable for the audience that it targets. These are corporate legal um, operations people. They're not necessarily the attorneys per se, although they can be, but in in some cases they're not, or most cases. Um, So what they're trying to do is they're trying to build the context of what, you know, what should be, should we focus on? (laughs) And if we can break it down to something, something like that, um, then we can start to better organize and, and put together a roadmap for each one of those elements that, are, that make up the 12. Um, so how that applies to us is that we're the shortest path for automating wherever applicable within that 12. So if you can think about a, uh, to, to Annie's point around the high point study, right? If you complement the high point study with the, the clock 12, you quickly get through a process of saying where are our pain points and what can what's a low hanging fruit? What can we implement very quickly? Um, what will have the biggest impact on on the the, the organization? How can then uh, that drive automation, the traction for automation, and, and the appetite for automation and whatnot? So, um, so to trying to answer your question again is that each one of those elements, or for the most part, most of those elements, um, there could be an automation initiative associated with that or derived from somebody, you know, defining what they want to try to accomplish in the near term within those 12 uh, areas there. Um, No one tool um, really, from a market perspective, um, is is capable of of solving that. You know, I mean, you, you do still have all these silos. Um, but if you look at it more from a, a pain point study, you know, kind of this, this addressing where the critical need is, um, you're going to get a lot further along much more quickly if, in fact, you have the, the MyLegal platform. Yeah. That's great. So another item was I was going through uh, through the state of the industry report by Clock, and uh, I was surprised to sort of read and go through that uh, the, the list five priorities identified by legal ops executives and mm-hmm. the first one of the which was you know implementing a diversity diversity and inclusion program right and we have others as well like you know automate legal processes implement mm-hmm. new technology but but what do you see you know the most do, do you second this you know sort of <laughs> finding that it's the top of their mind, you know, implementing a diversity inclusion program or yeah, what's there? I don't remember all, all of the main things, but I will tell you that diversity is one of the main things that's forthcoming. We're actually building uh, applications that, that deal with diversity scoring and performance scoring um, so that we can better analyze the firms out there that, that, that are uh, supporting the department. 
Um, and then based on that, you know, there's a, you know, they're calling down the number of, of firms that they're working with based on their, uh, their diversity score and things like that. So, um, I, I do see that as a, as a main focus. Um, I think there is a shift we, you know, a lot of people have, have been going through this contract lifecycle management, um, and, and enterprise legal management, um, you know, engagements or these, these projects, most of those are pretty well, you know, done or, or for the most part, um, um, the, the idea really is, is that, um, the, the shift is more or less now towards let's look at the, the, the value that the legal department is actually providing for the organization and in, in innovation and, and in, um, just, just how well it can be automated and how they can be perceived across the, the organization. Those are the bigger things that we're hearing now. Okay, that's great. So, so this brings me to another piece of information. I, I know you, you guys are, you know, sort of attending the clock event. So I'll, I'll hone into clocks, you know, findings because yeah. I found them uh, a, bit, a bit relevant. Uh, but, the, but there was somewhat an anomaly that, like. Maybe it appeared an anomaly, anomaly to me. Uh -huh. So maybe you can educate me on that and let me build the context here. And the context is that, okay, uh, the clock survey build uh, lays out five, you know, strategic priorities that corporate legal executives are saying that they, they're, they're going to focus on. You know, we discussed them a minute ago, you know, automating legal processes, implementing a diversity inclusion program, so forth. So they have, you know, their legal, uh, their, their strategic priorities. But then they also, within the survey, they also tell, okay, what technologies we are currently using. And mostly they are using, you know, a, a predominant majority is using e-sign, you know, and matter management software. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so what I read, and, and there was another Deloitte survey as well that says, you know, 70% of, of the survey respondents to that Deloitte survey, survey said that, Establishing better processes would help, you know, solve current technology mm -hmm. challenges. So mm -hmm. I see a mismatch between the priorities, you know, mm -hmm. okay, they are, these are the priorities, but the technologies they are using are maybe more restrictive in nature, mm -hmm. just the e-sign thing. So do I read it correctly or, or do you also see that there's a mismatch or how do you see it? Yeah, I don't know that I would call it a mismatch. It's just the, the, it's the maturity scale that, that the, the legal okay. departments uh, are on a, you know, they're, they've historically been, um, you know, in, in, in the infancy and not really a, a very, it, it not a very um, mature kind of a, uh, approach with all different practices. And so as they're, you know, heading up the maturity curve, um, they're tackling these various things. DocuSign or eSign, let's say, um, you know, became very prevalent because all of a sudden, you know, they had to get over the, the notion of, these are documents that are no longer physical and, and wet signed and like like they've been used to for years. And it, cultural issues come up all the time. It's just how much um, can we um, how much can we take care of that that um, in a way that's new and in, inventive and, and this kind of thing. It's, it's just you got to get people over the hump. And so I'm trying to get to your point but, or your question. But the point is, is that um, I think that. The, the, as I mentioned, the, the matter, the ELM matter management um, thing has been done pretty much now. I mean, the, the, that's most everybody has, no matter what size organization, um, has kind of conquered that, so to speak. 
um, they, they're more comfortable with how they're managing spend and, and keeping all of this in a single source of truth. And so that story is kind of played out um, now that they're, they then they're now they're at the next level of, uh, um, you know, of, of maturity. So the the idea now is to to take the second thing that you mentioned, and that is, as I, as I said as well, automation is now becoming more of the focus about how can we we have all this stuff. How can we tie it together? Sorry. Um, and we can then um, just try to um, make ourselves even more mature through these different standard practices um, being automated and, and, and refined all the way through that process. Yeah, that's good. So, so uh, one thing that's playing out pretty, pretty sort of in a, in a big bang manner, what I would say, and that is AI and ML, you know, especially with the advent of chat GPT and other language models. Yeah. So do you see AI and ML are going to really open the traditional players in the legal tech market or how do you see the AI ML thing playing out? Yeah, you know, it, it's it's one of those things where um, it, it's gained so much traction so quickly. I think there there's something here, um, exactly how it plays out and where um, and where we'll um, we'll see it emerge. Um, I, I I'm not exactly certain. I can tell you that we already do have requests and we're building in through this legal front door coming all the way full circle. Right, as people just want to say. You know, type in something and it, it will magically start some process, right? And, and literally, yeah. we can do that with the platform, but we have to have this, um, you, know, um, you know, natural language component that says it understands what the intake is. Um, so I, I see some of that. There's clearly a lot that's happening in the uh, the document management where AI is starting to become um, prevalent. Uh, has been for the last couple of years. And now ChatGPT, that's going to be another thing that um, we'll just see how it emerges. Obviously, we're watching this closely and wherever our clients are um, starting to understand where it might be applied, um, you know, we we can support that. You know, we are um, all also operating on um, other Microsoft technologies and in, in, in Azure, the Azure environments that basically will help us support that. So we're sort of aligned in that whole thing as that does also mature and we see more use cases for it. So uh, I know that uh, My Legal is showcasing uh, at the Clock 2023 event, and for the audience, Clock 2023 is a is a premier sort of event for the legal ops industry. Clock mm -hmm. stands for uh, uh, you know Corporate Legal Operations Consortium. So, what makes you excited about focusing at the Clock event this year? Oh, I, I think for us is there's no doubt kind of a a perfect storm of opportunity, if you will. Um, legal departments have a tremendous need for automation as they're being asked to do more with less. I mean, let's face it, the economic uncertainty today, um, you know, is probably going to last for a while. Um, as a result of that, the C-suite are issuing mandates, and most of those are around, you know, process improvement, um, efficiency gain, productivity gain, cost reduction, Um and, you know, for us, uh, you know, we have a solution that addresses just that. And um, so, you know, what really gets us excited is, is, you know, we'll be able to get in front of people. And when we get in front of people and we actually, actually demonstrate the platform for them, there's an aha moment, right? 
they realize, yeah. wow, this is possible. There's actually a solution that has all the capabilities that are necessary for us to automate and to automate at scale. And uh, that that's what excites us. Yeah, that's that's great. And and, and let me ask you, like maybe any any one of uh, uh, can can take that. So uh, I know you've been working in the space since since a few years now, and. what kind of makes you particularly interested in uh, working with the with the corporate legal departments and and in the people out there because that's that sort of a you know s- somehow th- there's an inclination to work with a certain sort of you know uh, customer mm-hmm. group and you have chosen legal to be that i know there's a background to that uh, that mm-hmm. you talked in the beginning but what is it what is it that you what you like working with them Yeah so um you know going back a little bit of the history is some people think I'm crazy I've been in this for almost three decades right and so there's a lot of beating your head against the wall to try to have people understand what BPM is and how it can help you <laughs> so um I lived that my entire career um what we I think what's interesting about legal is that they are you know several steps behind the rest of the the organization yeah. when yeah. it becomes to when it comes to automation so um they've been this you know less you know just less than supported just generally there's they never really thought of it as a strategic play for them to automate that department um and now you know that's shifting but there's a huge opportunity in that and whether this is corporate legal departments or firms who firms are on a less of an uptake and just not generally um even though they may have IT staffs and things like that they're just not um wanting to absorb this kind of thing for for efficiency gain and what not but when you look at a corporate legal department IT's been um you know really there the 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 roadblock from them basically becoming more like every other department in the organization so given the tools that we offer and ability to potentially stand up 25 applications that deal with app, the circumstances that they have that they're working on every day you can just see how impactful that is and so that's what we're excited about we you know we wake up every day just delighted with how we're helping our customers and being able to provide that level of of uh support and and just helping them really solve their challenges very quickly it's it's been um it's what keeps me going i mean that's that's yeah. what Chargeal Jim and hire sales guys. I mean, we get excited when we know <laughs> we have a solution that brings value to our clients. And clearly there's yeah. nothing like what we offer in the market today. And so we know we're so, solving so a major problem and we think we can really we really do think we can help them transform their their legal operations. and so so, so based on your based on your experience working with different clients and uh, i know there might be you know some of different size and some from different background uh, whom do have you enjoyed the most working with or you you're really excited to work with them like without naming names but of course you might you know recall someone from your head you know any any you know client that you really excited working with you know th- these are the type of companies or clients that we really like to work with yeah there's there's sort of two parts of that one is the people that have a vision you know they they're the ones that can see that we can be different we can present ourselves completely different we can um address concerns and challenges across the entire company 
um, in a different way. They're, they're, if they have that vision, they, they really want to um, be perceived as something of far greater value. So that's the one criteria. The other is, uh, you know, we've been blessed with great customers. Um, I have to say that they um, do an amazing job of, of collaborating with us and, and bringing in, in, you know, being totally forthright about their challenges and where we can really deep, you know, tease into these, these issues of theirs. Um, and so I think all of our clients fall into that category. I mean, some maybe in a more organized fashion than others, um, but we still just were able to knock it out of the park very, very quickly. You know, very short requirements gathering sessions turns into a prototype. It, it, it spurs a whole bunch of new innovation as it as a result of seeing what it was that we put together. Um, it, it, you know, iterates to the point where they have just really the perfect app for them. And they just, they're delighted. I mean, we, we get continuous uh, positive feedback on the way that we're uh, interacting with our clients and just how the whole, whole process is going. And at the speed that it's going, the, the time to value and where, where we're able to spin up you know, 10 applications or seven applications or 12 applications in, in four month period of time is, is unheard of. And, and people are just um, delighted with that. So we're, we're blessed with who we've, um, we've cultivated as clients so far. Yeah. And I think uh, what, what is also interesting to me is um, it doesn't matter the customer type. So we have a solution um, powered by Agile Point, which really can help out you know, someone that's in an early stage in terms of the development of their legal department, right? They have a whole different set of needs than a mature, you know, Fortune 100 company with hundreds of thousands of employees, right? So um, we know our solution can benefit both of those customer types. And so when we sit down with them and get to understand their business and help them know for example, maybe that person who's got a small department, hey, here's how we can help you out immediately. Here's how the platform's going to be able to scale with you as you grow. Um, you know, being able to to have those conversations, um, you know, I, I think really sets us apart because we, we've got a, a unique solution here. Yeah, that's great. That's great. I I really love talking to, to both of you, you know, got to learn a lot and I'm sure we, we're going to continue these discussions and really looking forward uh, to your participation in the Clock 2023. Absolutely. Thank you very Thank much you. for having us. We, we enjoyed this. It's great. Appreciate you setting this up. Thank you, Jane. Okay. Thank you, Andy. Thank you. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye.